You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with the fall guy. Let's do it later. Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes! Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall guy. Fall guy. Fall guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Because nope. I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Read it PG-13. Portland is a baseball town. Our secretary didn't have anybody on the phone. <laughs> there was nobody on the phone. They were just egging me along. So they brought a little short, chubby guy in with the name Peters and put him <laughs> in my place and sent me to double A ball. Two fans, one mission to bring Major League Baseball to Oregon, fueled by Guardian Games and Athletic Field Design. This is the Diamonds and Roses podcast. Without further ado, your hosts, Ben and Dave. I'm Ben. And I'm Dave. And I'm Kayla. And you're listening to the Diamonds and Roses Podcast. All right, folks, we are back again. And we are back for our last episode with Baseballism. Well, I stole a key, so we might be back here a few few times, but that's on the down low. That's all right. There's some good merch. <laughs> Rolling around in merch, recording that's some right. stuff, whatever. Get my little man purse back over here. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I've seen your collection of man purses. Yeah, That's you right. could add to that. Got to add to it, you know. And get that shirt where they throw the bat in the back. Oh, yeah. That's pretty cool. Yep. Well, we uh, we, we thank you much for having us at Baseballism. And uh, it's been a great it's been a great place to record. I like it. Yeah. And maybe uh, if I have my midlife crisis and get thrown out or something, I can camp out here. I don't know. I'm just, just, just putting that out there. Don't judge me. Yeah, and not, you might you might think about the same thing too. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think we're probably about ready to get kicked out of our homes. <laughs> right, right. So this could be a good little camping spot. Yeah. Anyhow, here we are. And we were back, and um, we are back with our next episode. And Callan, I'm killing your name. I I'm so sorry. Um, I have to edit this out. No, I'm probably just leaving it. <laughs> <laughs> um, so let's talk about baseballism. Let's talk about. Um, and pick up where we last left off. You're back from the military, and we're back in Portland. And it sounds like, you know, with this new venture, that you're starting with some of your friends. But let's take a step back in time, because it sounds like, according to some of the things that I've looked into, that you know, the people that you started this with or were a part of it were been friends for a long time. So talk a little bit about that. Yeah, we go back to college. I, I know Travis Chalk, our CEO, I met his freshman year of college. I was a little bit older. Um, we lived in the same dorm. And uh, Jonathan Loomis, who is our CFO, we actually go back. I mentioned in the last one that we uh, we went to Las Vegas at the same time for a Baseball Northwest traveling team. Cool. I don't know that we really knew each other. And then Jonathan Jawade and I are, are the two. We're, I'm the oldest. He's the youngest. So I played with Travis and Jonathan Loomis. He played with Travis and Jonathan Loomis. We didn't play together, uh, just missed each other uh, by years. But we go back to, as a group, about 2000, 2001, 2002. Uh, so it was, uh, it's been a pretty long time. And you said that the timing was perfect for you in terms of how this whole thing rolled out and, and life is a, a series of great timings. How, how was that again? So I was getting out of the military. Sure. Uh, I knew that I needed to do something different and I was just really planning on just kind of hanging out for a year. And around that time, 
baseballism was starting to take off. We started it as a baseball camp many years ago, but mm-hmm. when, when it came back to life and we were an apparel company, we were out of a garage in Beaverton and mm-hmm. we had just passed that garage in Beaverton stage and had opened our first retail space slash headquarters in North Portland mm-hmm. and no one was working there full time. So we had a retail store. I, w- I want to hear about this garage, the garage days. I mean, that that's piques my interest. So I actually missed it. I was on the East Coast. My contribution, I came back from Afghanistan in 2012. Uh, This idea had come up stemming back from the old baseballism, baseball camp days. And Travis sent an email to a bunch of us and said, I'm going to do this this brand. I think we're going to make a run of it. Who's interested? Uh, Sent it kind of to a group. But then individually, we all spoke. Uh, Travis, I think, very smartly was trying to assemble skill sets. Uh, he, you know, he's looking at his buddies, his guys he played baseball with, but who brings something to the table so we're not overlapping? Mm-hmm. Uh, I also happen mm-hmm. to have just been overseas for about two years, so I had some good startup money, right? Maybe. So we were all had to make our investment. We weren't, none of us were super deep in our careers, so I also was bringing that to the table. Cool. So we we jumped in, did that, did a Kickstarter, mm, uh, kind of okay. took off. Yeah, you would do a little bit of Kickstarter from what I read, mostly online sales, um, and then a little bit like locally um but what i did read was is that the the logo is really kind of what got this started because it was from the camps and it was i think if i read this correctly that they purchased an existing business they got the membership list rebranded the company as baseballism and then they began in like 2006 and then after kind of like taking a break they continued to wear around them the apparel and it kind of everybody was like really interested in this. Now let's talk about the logo a little bit because it, it kind of looks a lot like Babe Ruth. Is it is it Babe Ruth in is that is that the man Babe Ruth? So that is Babe Ruth. The original logo is the baseballism in between the two lines with the drop bat. Okay. That was the camp logo. Mm-hmm. Um, and then when we came back and had done the initial run of this. Travis created this, and that, that is, in fact, Babe Ruth swinging a flag. Mm-hmm. Uh, we have a very wonderful uh, arrangement with the Ruth family. We license Babe Ruth, oh, and they wow. love us. They, uh, they've only have a handful, maybe like three or four licenses of Babe Ruth in the apparel world, and we are one of them, and they, they really like what we do for that. I, I want to hear a little bit about yeah. that story, engaging it, with the that's Ruth okay. family. No, if you don't mind. of course, of course. You know, young, a little bit naive. We created the logo with Ruth before we had their permission. And when I came on board a little bit more seriously, I was like, oh, this is going to be a problem. You know, it was something that you know, kept, me, sure, <laughs> kept, sure, me, sure. Yeah, kept yeah. me up at night. Um, but we decided that as we were getting deeper, we, we would kind of control when we got to uh, the Ruth family. And, and ultimately, I think what happened was the, there is a historian for the Hall of Fame. He's the official historian of Major League Baseball. And he, I don't think he likes us that much. And hmm. so we opened the Cooperstown store and he came in and kind of a jerk and I think he called the Ruths right away which, which was great we were trying to create an organic way to meet and got on board with their uh, with with their attorney who does their their licensing and you know it was a little contentious at first and huh. we were able to get to a point um, to make something make sense for both parties and now they're a great partner it's okay. really exciting they're wonderful people mm-hmm. and we work well together and I mean you look at it and you know it's Babe Ruth. It, yeah. it speaks for itself. And but it, again, there there are limited. There's limited access yeah. here. You said there's, you're one of what six or something like that. I think it's about four, four in the okay. apparel world. Maybe wow. with a couple other companies who have little pieces. Huh. So, who does he have left around that existing family members that you've dealt with personally? So personally, I have dealt with none. Um, mm-hmm. I know my partner this last year in Cooperstown for the Hall of Fame inductions met some of the living relatives. Okay. I deal with the attorney. Uh, it's a totally boring, probably, subject, but the idea of 
uh, rights in an individual who's passed away is super weird. Oh, okay. And there's only about two states in the country that even allow you to do that. Because who's to say where that line ends if you pass sure. away? Is it your daughter? Is it right. somebody who knew you? So Indiana is where is the main one. And all these big law firms set up shop for just this reason and then put a flag in the ground and stake their territory. But otherwise, it's very bizarre because there's just no limits on it. So there's a lot of companies that own these rights in these people and nobody's left alive. So, so the, the issue is... The likeness, the image likeness. Correct. And and that that was to, it's it's like an official image like likeness. Correct. So that's interesting. There there's no subjectivity there. It's uh wow, that is that's bizarre. I actually want to hear a little bit more about this this dead you know, dead per, deceased person um, issue here because this is actually kind of interesting, at least to me, maybe I'm just the nerd and wanna hear more about oh, it. Oh, it is interesting. Um, but it, yeah, tell us a little bit more about that. I really want to hear about it and so on. So I'm not the number one subject matter expert, but but we live in this world, right? Where, where you, there's all these guys, these old re- retired, passed on people, and it's just not clearly delineated on who gets to, to stake the claim that mm. I, the, I own this mm-hmm. right. You know, it's one yeah. thing if a person has just passed away and you have the spouse and there was a will or something along those lines, but even that is a little weird. After you know, a they, few generations, yeah, they no, and they no longer exist in this world, right? Yeah. Um, but Indiana made this big push that they, they re- respected this. I don't know that it's always clearly defined how far it goes, like who gets to make the claim. But we're at a point now where somebody's already made the claim for most anybody that, mm-hmm. that really matters. Huh. Um, probably was a great way to generate revenue for the state of Indiana. So you have these firms that are licensing firms. They're, they're kind of, a lot of them are kind of law firms, a lot of lawyers, and they'll set up shop and they'll own the rights to say Satchel Page, Cy Young in one shop and this other. And their whole business is trying to find people to license them and go out and do this business. So they, of course, are part of their business. So they're being proactive, in essence. To a certain degree. You know, like, okay. they, I would think if they're doing it well. You know, they want to protect the rights and make sure people who are not licensed aren't doing it, but they, okay. need to, they want to make money for these families or for these trusts or whatever sure. it is. So when we work with, like, the Ruths, they use a, a specific company, and I think they've worked with the same company forever, but we also have Ted Williams, and it's a very similar situation where the family works with a person and his job is to protect, but also to find business opportunities for the likeness. Now, are you getting these licenses uh, on a state-by-state state basis, or is this worldwide that you're getting the ability to do this? So it wouldn't be state-by-state, state, uh, but it, they could, it could be limited in whether it's worldwide. It could be domestic, because then once you get into these other places, they may say you can go there, like they being the licensing company, mm. but they there may not be the protection when you go to, say, a China, where China might be like, I don't really care what you guys say in the sure, U.S. Sure. This person's passed away. So it, country by country, it's going to be a little bit different mm-hmm. um, how protected you get. But they, you still have to work with the family, whether they agree or the company, whether they agree to let you go uh, overseas or hmm. whatnot. Now, in the original picture, I'm assuming that it was just him holding a bat or was it him holding a flag? So I would say that for this original picture, there's a number of pictures and we really tried to uh, make it based on his swing rather than one specific look. But it, yes, it would have been a bat. The flag was really Travis's play and this idea of baseballism is it. The it's word the baseball is a, it's yeah. Americana. Mm-hmm. Uh, and you know, what's mm-hmm. more uh, American and more Americana than Babe Ruth swinging an American flag. Yeah. And in this case, you can't see the American flag necessarily, but think of it as, you know, a right. state flag or an American flag. It's just, it, it's, it's America, right? It's baseball. Yeah. It's apple pie. It's a lot of layered symbolism there. Uh, Tell us how long it took you to get to this particular logo. Like at what point did you say, okay, this is the final piece. This is, this is where we're going. 
you know, I, I hate to be this guy, but I'm not the best. This was more when I was a little bit removed. Mm-hmm. Um, Travis is just truly a creative genius, and I, my guess would be he he went from flash to bang pretty quick. Really? You know, he he just knows, um, and probably was it got something in his head and went a direction and just just knew it. And I think he pitched it out to the group and said, "What do you guys think about this?" And it was just, I mean, what are you gonna say about that other than yeah. it's awesome, right? That's, yeah, yeah, it's really yeah. nice. The lines and yeah, really well done. Just nice and crisp and yep. like pops. It has that pop feeling and it's like long lasting. And like you said, it's a symbol. I mean, it yeah. symbolizes something. Anybody who knows anything about baseball knows you know, Babe Ruth. Yep. Unless you're the Sandlot. <laughs> <laughs> there it is. Yeah. The, the narrator from the Sandlot. Yeah. Well, well, that's cool. So you're you're now all, you know, coming together as a group. Po- Post garage phase. Yeah. Yeah. And so you're, where do you go from there? Uh, as I mentioned, we did the, we opened our first real space. We're in North Portland. It was what we could afford. It wasn't a great retail space. We're on the corner of Interstate and Killingsworth, not necessarily a shopping mecca. Yeah, yeah. Um, we get broken into a number of times while we're there. But what we do is we're starting to actually really make some money uh, via e- e-commerce. And we're pretty lean. You know, there's three of us working there, not paying ourselves a lot of money. And Travis had really been for a period of time, just an incredible trainer of, of athletes in, in Portland. Like oh, okay. you going back to like the Carson Kelly years and, and just a yeah, whole Westview. run of yeah. dudes who are playing uh, in college now. There's, there's some of his youngest kids, but then guys who have finished playing in, in college. He trained all those guys at the yard, uh, then with E-Force, who's like really leading in, in football. And so he was very tied in. And he had taken a 12U team from Lincoln um, to Cooperstown, New York, because the most iconic 12U tournament in the entire United States for travel ball happens to be in Cooperstown. Oh, okay. You know, the Hall of Fame is great, but really what drives Cooperstown is these 12U tournaments. Mm. The main field or the main complex has 100 teams. Like ro- M70's ball, like 70 foot yeah. yeah, gotcha. 100 teams rotate through every week, Labor Day, Memorial Day to Labor Day. Another f- complex has 60 teams every week, Memorial Day, Labor Day. And then there's another one that runs the end of summer and it's like 40 teams. It's, it's everything. So Travis said, if we're going to do this, uh, we should open a store in Cooperstown. So Travis Ooh. and Jonathan went out there, found this location. Uh, it was formerly Lipsticks at Lipstick and Line Drive. Line Drives. It was owned by Debbie Harry of Blondie, oh, I yeah. believe, and her sister ran it. Huh. Um, we signed a lease and we opened up our first retail store. It's like Memorial Day weekend, like 2013, 2014. Huh. Mm-hmm. And now it, it does say you generally like to open up uh, stores and, and for, storefronts in specific locations that have a certain historical importance. And of course, you know, you're right near Cooperstown. When did you open up this store in, in Portland? This specific store uh, we opened in Portland. This was about three November first, like three years ago. Mm-hmm. And the reason we moved here is we had ha- we had been out of the place at um, Interstate and Killingsworth for years. That would have been our our location. And I had opened up a warehouse over on uh, Broadway. Uh, our screen printer owned some additional real estate, and we were we had totally outgrown the other place, and we couldn't fulfill out of there anymore. So he gave me this really weird, old, funky space that we kept for about a year, and we made it through a Christmas there. Your transition space. Yeah. yeah. Black Friday is huge for us. The whole Q4, we do e-commerce, gotcha. and we were just absolutely tapped out in this weird space. If you put in the vacuum cleaner into the wall to vacuum the carpet, like everything would short out. It was just oh, really, really tight. It hey. flooded during the holidays one oh, time. Nice. Um, so we moved in on a November 1st, knowing that we had to execute a Black Friday somewhere new. 
Um, this place was completely just a slab. It had been sitting open for quite a while, executed a Black Friday, and now we've executed three here, and we will not be able to do another one here. We're too oh, big. Oh, really? Yeah, I have a second warehouse uh, about five or six blocks away that we use for overstock and some fulfillment during the holidays. So would you keep this facility, though, as, as like a headquarters then? and. and- or what, what's that going to look like? We will keep the retail space because gotcha. the retail store does uh-huh. well. And then we will turn this into an event space. Okay. We host uh, MLB PDX parties here. We do some things for ourselves. Okay. We'll probably expand on that. Uh, maybe let people lease it out or, or something along those lines. And then we'll, in a perfect world, we'll do this. We'll move everyone to another location for a new headquarters plus a, a warehouse. If we can't find the right warehouse, then we'll keep part of the headquarters here. And then we'll go to a warehouse as well. Okay. So let me ask. They recently are working on this space over by T2. Terminal 2, for those who don't know. Are you moving closer to there? I would like to move closer to there. More for our own interest of being able to be close to these two locations. Mm -hmm. Uh, But honestly, uh, Portland's just so tough. Such a crowded market that uh, warehousing is tough. We'll keep this space that will be convenient ish for when the, if the stadium goes in there that I think it'll do very well um, the move yeah. will not necessarily be as much uh, guided by the baseball stadium as, as, as one might think it's really about getting a warehouse so you open this location is the value to it as far as historical significance you got I think the one of the churches over here I think that the Peskies used to go mm-hmm. to and some other yeah. players and then Vaughn Street's not too far from here. Is that kind of some of the reason why you opened up this location? I, I, I would love to say yes. Uh, it was just a, we just, we knew 23rd was the place and we knew it was expanding down. Yeah. And really, Breakside being here and, and knowing that they were moving in around the same time was probably more of a motivating factor than anything. Sure. I mean, the number of people we see walking down the street with luggage because they're doing Airbnbs in this area is incredible. Oh, okay. This is just a really popular right. tourist neighborhood. Wow! So that so you did your you guys did your due diligence though in we, terms of looking at that and looking at the growth module and and that and just foot traffic and everything. Okay. Yeah, I mean we spent I a didn't lot. Realize the Airbnb uh, thing was so huge in this specific area. It's real. It's very Is real it? down here. Huh. And if you think about Northwest Twenty Third, tourists come here, but then I, I would say your average family from Beaverton probably makes their way down here for one reason or another, mm-hmm. you know, once a year, whether it's salt and straw, whether it's us, whether some it's Esau's, there's some sure. reason to yeah. be down there. So it work makes sense. And my business partner, Jonathan Jawade is responsible for the real estate primarily for our retail stores and, and, and whatnot. And he's just, he's a master of it. He, he grinds and he finds the right places for That's us. That's cool. So let's talk a little bit more about real estate. You know, you're opening up and gradually opening up more and more locations across the country. So you, you have Cooperstown, you originally had your storefront over on Killingsworth. Then you moved to the warehouse. Now you're here. Talk to us a little bit about some of the other stores that you have opening. Cooperstown was first, of course. And then the next one was Scottsdale, Arizona. Hmm. And we are in uh, old, what's called Old Town there, which is mostly, uh, it's kind of a country western theme. A lot of uh, Native American jewelry shops. A little funky. Uh, a lot of the year it's uh, retirees. But the important aspect is that it is the most central place for Arizona spring training. If you go to watch any team go to, uh, play in spring training, you will most likely make your way to Scottsdale. And if you make your way to Scottsdale, you'll go to Old Town. Uh, and it's also very close to the Giants ballpark down oh, there, okay. and, and they draw incredibly well. So during spring training time, it is a complete flood to our store. And then the That's rest cool. of the year, it's wonderful. But for about a month and a half, it is insane. Chaos. Okay. And from there, 
there's only so many places like Cooperstown and Scottsdale where you're in this baseball town and you just get to pick a spot. So where we went from there was starting to open up what we call like our 50 yard line stores. And we went to baseball stadiums that we thought mattered and opened up as close as we could. So we're behind the Green Monster on Fenway. Oh, uh, oh. We're right by the Willie Mays statue in San Francisco. Uh, when the Braves opened up their new stadium in what is still Atlanta, but kind of pushed out, we're in their complex. In Arlington, right by the baseball stadium for the Rangers, their new stadium. Uh, we kind of went with that model where we are going to be right next to the stadium. That's kind of an interesting little pace. Um, location being in Arlington, you got right across the streets, uh, AT&T Stadium where the Cowboys play. So you definitely got a lot of crowd you know, going there between the summer and then the winter and fall time frame. So I noticed that at one point you, you opened up maybe like a brief retail shop in Hawaii for a little while. Yeah, so Travis, uh, our CEO, is from Hawaii. Went to Punahou, which is President Obama went there. Yeah. I think Michelle Wee. I mean, it's a very famous high school. Yeah. Um, and he created, I think more importantly than anything, he created these awesome Hawaii-themed uh, designs. Just unbelievable. Mm. And so with that, he then, we needed a vehicle. And so one of his uh, high school classmates uh, owns part of a barbershop. It's like a barter barbershop beauty salon, but they have a retail presence. They like a lot of uh, kind of urban streetwear, pretty trendy brands. And so she was interested. And so we did a pop-up shop in Hawaii and it was lines uh, at the Ala Moana shopping mall in Honolulu, which is huge and, and mm. super touristy. The lines out the door That's to awesome. buy this hat. And now we have a... Um, a, sm- a small wholesale account there, mostly selling the Hawaii-themed baseball items, but it just crushed. Okay, I'm niche, niche market, pretty there. much. Yeah. Hmm. I'm headed to Hawaii in like August, so I might have to stop by. And Absolutely, one. Honolulu. Yeah, hmm. my wife will hate the fact that I get a new hat. She hates. <laughs> like I, I'm like this guy. I got more hats than my wife has shoes. It's crazy. <laughs> Tell us a little bit about you know that continuous growth. And, you know, you go from starting up to now having these other shops and where, where you progress from there. It's been a very nice uphill growth kind of model. Uh, we've been we've been lucky with the economy um, and we've had great human capital is our number one thing. Uh, f- I talked about the three of us coming on full time. Very, very, very importantly to us, our CFO, uh, John Loomis, our, our fourth partner, had been at OHSU and been very successful in the finance world, hmm. and it didn't seem that he was ever going to come on board. You know, he, had, he has a family, he has two kids, he has a wife, and he finally just said, "You know what? This is this is the path." And he came on full time, and that was another huge bump. Every time someone came on full time, it, it bumped us. Hmm. Every time we opened a store, it, it it bumped us. So that was a really big aspect of how we got here. And then the other piece too was that uh, I would say we have this kind of ownership level where we're maybe dealing, you know, a little less in the day to day, a lot in the strategic. We have a layer of guys and, and, and women too in, in their 20s who have like the career track jobs, and we've just been unbelievably fortunate in who we've hired. A lot of local baseball players, a lot of people. We a couple guys from George Fox, mm. a Concordia person, uh, kind of a slew of people like that um, that have really, really added a lot of life to the business because they're they're really living often in the day to day, but they've been with us for a long they're time. They're so tuned in culturally, yeah. Yeah. So that's been huge. And then the long term is uh, keep adding stores. So how are you good generating these ideas? I mean, you have anywhere from Christmas with the Rudolph on your, your hats, some of your gear to, um, you know, Major League to uh, Sandlot to Ted Williams to, you know, various other things. Like, how are you guys generating these ideas? Guys yeah, the and gals? design aspect of it. Yeah. So Travis is 
originally when we started, he was the design team, self-taught, right? Like was, didn't go to school for, you know, art or anything along those lines. And then we've added additional, we have a, a lead, like a person who runs the design team and Ryan Watland, who is, mm-hmm. he worked for the Timbers, worked for Nike, is incredible. Also a local baseball guy, which is wonderful. And then they have a few other people on their team. So they are, that's really their world. That's cool. And then we have, um, on my team, I'm not creative. So I work in the logistics world and the people who do all the inventory management work under me. So we'll do, for me, I'll do more of like the, I think we need more, another two youth shirts. You guys go design them, right? That kind of thing. And then I have my person directly underneath me, Justin Moore, who's unbelievable with our inventory allocation and, and management. He straddles those worlds. So sometimes he'll be talking to design and say, hey, I think we could use another pair of socks. And then sometimes he'll go all the way and be like, I have this idea, right? So, and he has a wonderful relationship with design, but primarily the design team is amazing. Um, And we take a lot of the, but they take our feedback from the customers and what's selling and then they incorporate that too. Cool. And then we're just, we're baseball people is the real bottom line. So it's kind of just trying to figure out how do we make it happen? And of course you are making it happen with everything that you're doing. And are you getting licensing uh, deals with Major League and some of these other people? So Major League the Movie? Yeah. Yes. We have a very nice relationship mm. with Major League the Movie. We had been spitballing, a few of us, some things that would make sense. We had basically made our list of movies we thought we could make money with. With Im- with iconic images. Iconic and images. And, and whatnot. Yeah. And, you know, we started with some like things like Field of Dreams, and you're like, yeah, but what image makes sense? And it's right. really tough. Major League just gives you a bunch. A so so <laughs> yeah. uh, we, a bucket we, of chicken. I mean, yeah, yeah, oh, there it's, you go. <laughs> I mean, frankly, it was underutilized. So at that point, when we kind of brainstormed, and I like it, you know, from I think it's fun. Uh, I think if we can, you know, cost you a little bit of money, but if you're, they've already put millions and millions of dollars in, so you're just recoup, you know, you're taking their what they've already put in and mm-hmm. turning it towards yourself. Um, we reached out to them, and they were more than happy because they thought that they also had something great. But those movie studios, they're worried about like the next Star Wars or the next Jurassic Park that's worth a billion. Mm-hmm. These deals for twenty thousand or fifty thousand, they they don't have the manpower to go run them down. So they were jacked when we yeah. signed up, and and that has just expanded. We have that's a, cool. you know double digit number of items. Um, mm-hmm. We uh, added Ted Williams this year, which was a really really exciting thing. Uh, kind of a light line because it was it was our first real player specific line. And we missed the season in Boston, but we're really excited about having a Boston store and having Ted Williams. Yeah. We have a few more in the works, and I think we're constantly trying to keep them in play. And we always mm-hmm. kind of spitball ones like, uh, I want to do like Mega Man or something like yeah. ridiculous from our youth. We will never do it, of course, yeah. but it'll be fun. Just Are you, stretch the boundaries. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So they got the golf thing with the, the, the thing goes over the golf clubs. You should do something similar with the bat and just like have the, the thing with hats for bats to oh, keep bats warm. That would be awesome. You should do something like that for like a Christmas type thing. I think we'd do that with for golf clubs. I mean, I think you could have you that, that one to put on your driver. Yeah. yeah. Cross it over. Mm-hmm. Golf to baseball. <laughs> That's awesome. Yeah, Major Pedro League. Serrano. You're pulling a lot from that movie. Oh. Yeah, between the lines and the images and the objects. Yeah. That's cool. So um, talk a little bit about where you're going from here. I mean, you're, you're up and running completely. You're in several cities. You're, you're doing very well. I mean, clearly, and to be where you're at, um, you know, it's commendable where you're at it specifically like your age and I'm trying to say age for, for no reason but you're do, everybody's doing very well for you know your age and your drive so where do you go from here so I think uh, 
continuing to add relevant retail stores is very important. Uh, I, I think we did four last year. I don't envision us doing four in a year in the near future because it was really, really tough. Mm-hmm. Um, but one or two, I think there's still some untapped markets. Seattle, I think maybe. Seattle, I think yeah. Southern California is, mm-hmm. is Southern California is one of our largest e-commerce markets. So I think there's something sure. there. Um, I think that there are opportunities for us internationally. Uh, Canada does does well for us, and we don't put a lot into it. I think there's some Asian markets, um, but you know, first and foremost, we have to capture more of the United States. You know, we're doing well. I appreciate that, but man, what percentage of baseball fans know about baseball? Is not an incredibly high percent. Yeah. So there's a lot uh, of of sales to be had, and it's not just from a money capturing standpoint. It's we feel like we're really uniting a culture of baseball fans, regardless of whether you're a Mariners fan or a Yankees fan. I, I think what we bring to the table is that we really all care about baseball. And from different angles, right? You, you could be the uh, kind of a stat geek, if you will, or you could be somebody who is a serious player and tremendous. And we have something in common, even on its though on its face, it isn't always as obvious what it is as as it could be. And we're bringing those people together. And I think it's great. I mean, there's not a lot of uh, cohesion sometimes in this country or this mm-hmm. world. And I think it's nice. It's a nice, yeah. this baseball is great. It's been in, unbelievably important to my life. It crosses a lot of divides yeah. and boundaries. Yeah. Yeah. I, I assume it to you, to you too. Like it's uh-huh. a lot of who you are is because of it. And I think paying honor and homage and, and meeting people who feel that same way, regardless of who they are is unbelievably important. I know you guys do a lot more than just getting apparel and things like that. You're, you're doing a lot with different charity events. Um, tell us a little bit about what you're doing in that area. So, um, not always something we broadcast, but we probably have donated about six figures worth of items and or it's or cash in the history of our business. You know, it's it's very important to us. Whether it's a natural disaster or just youth teams, um, mm. we, we try to uh, help out local and high school teams around the country. We're still pretty small, so we're a bit limited. But knowing that we come from a baseball camp where it was all about giving back, we want to keep that. Uh, we're, I think, in our fourth or fifth year of college scholarships. Oh, cool. So a really, uh, you know, not a massive scholarship, but, you know, $1,000 to a couple kids. And it's just really based around this idea of what does baseball, softball mean to you? Uh, it's, it's been actually really interestingly split between men and women. Uh, people who didn't play, you know, team managers, just, I mean, grades are immaterial. It's just tell me how it, what, what it means to you and why you know, we should continue on this kind of legacy with it. So we're trying to do a little bit of everything and we're, and we're open to helping out as much as we can. Um, and and we, we created some fundraisers specifically for programs, you know, going door to door and selling chocolates and things like that is great, but trying to come up with some things that replace that, that might be a little bit easier and more yeah. baseball centric, more, more efficient. Yeah. 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 Now tell us a little bit about, um, major league baseball to Portland, that effort, like what was it like when, they approached you and said, we'd like for you to come on board or, or work with us on this. So, uh, interestingly, you know, I'm kind of a pessimist and early on I was like, man, I don't know. It just doesn't make any sense to me. Like, how does this going to happen? We got, we have the timbers and then the city needed it. And the, mm-hmm. you know, where are we going to put the stadium? And, um, Marcus from Portland gear, we, we work with him. We've kind of helped him some, uh, he's helped us out some. He was just like, man, I'm really involved in this. Will you please come talk to these guys? And I was kind of a jerk for a while. And, um, finally it was before the stadium got leaked and all those things. He sold us and we went and met, uh, Craig and Mike up at the architecture firm. And they just, they had a really nice sit down to us or with us, no insider information, but they just said, you know, this is really important. We think it's going to happen. Like we can't tell you everything, but like, trust us, this is real. And it was, 
it felt really real. And so uh, our involvement after that has been um, primarily in events to help the grassroots movement. Uh, when they announced Russell Wilson, we hosted it here. Um, when the Beavers won the national championship, we arranged to have a handful of those guys plus the trophy come up. And Very then cool. after that, I think it was Barrett uh, who spoke afterwards. And frankly, uh, people were jacked about the Beavers. Um, and we had some of the really good Beavers. People were more excited about MLBPDX because more people either hung out or left based on when that was. Um, so so that's been a big part of it. We helped them start the apparel piece. Mm-hmm. Uh, Marcus and Portland Gear are really running with that now and doing a really good job. But we just trying to, whatever we can. Talk a little more about Major League Baseball to Portland. And let's talk about some of the historical elements of it. Let's let's first jump into name. Um, let's, you know, there's been lots of names floated out there. And what one really sticks out for you? Wow. I don't know. You know, the one that I, I actually have the most trouble with is the Beavers, just because it's polarizing in this state. Yeah, uh, but I, I mean, I always loved the Beavers when they were up there. I, I'm game for anything. I hope it's really Pacific Northwest based. Uh, I think it's Portland, so it could probably get away with being a little over the top. I, I don't know that I'm locked in on one. I, I just think it's unbelievably important that they crush the logo mm-hmm. and that they have the best food and beverage in the stadium. Well, that's going to happen. <laughs> How about well, Portland Mavericks? How would you be with that? I, have, I, I mean... I love that. I love the documentary as much as anybody else. Yeah. So I, I have no beef with it. I think it. Uh, I think it makes a lot of sense. You know, I've heard this Chinook, or, or you know, I, I think everything's yeah. okay. The Mavericks yeah. would be sweet. Yeah, I like the Mavericks. Yeah. I think that's a pretty good name. I like that one. I, I'm a little non-optimistic about the Beavers, and let me jump into that and explain a little bit about because it's like you got Oregon State. Yep. You know, Oregon State owns like essentially the the Beavers' name, and you, every time I think of the Beavers, I think of Oregon State. But like, if you think locally, minor league baseball, AAA level, it's like the Beavers have come and gone and come back again, broken some yeah. hearts, and some, sure. yeah. And it's, it's like, some, is that some is that name on a professional level like a bad omen? And it's like I kind of like to. Have There's a lot of baggage way. there. Yeah. yeah. I think it alienates the Ducks fans a little bit, even though they know. Yeah. But it's just such a big deal in the state that stay yeah, away. Well, good. if you think about, say, the 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 Oregon uh, football brand, you know, from a few years ago, uh, and, and how that brand was marketed, you know, U of O and and U of O football and Duck football in particular. Yeah, you could see how it would be alienating, mm-hmm. considering the the hype and the movement of that a few years, five, six years ago. Yeah. yeah. What do you think about the recent drawings and renderings of the of the stadium? What do you think of that? I think everything I've seen has been unbelievable. I, I like that you know it it only makes sense, like I said, with the food and beverage being tremendous. Mm-hmm. Like that, the stadium should be very smart, very modern. I love the idea and the discussion of a smaller stadium, mm-hmm. limiting yeah. the uh, suites, limiting the seats. Let's let's try to keep it relatively full. Uh, I, I like. I think everything about that makes perfect sense. The I, optics, good optics. I think yeah. you know I I. My last assignment we talked about in the army, I lived in DC and I lived right by the stadium. National and they stadium. and they would always report this attendance of thirty thousand, because obviously baseball reports attendance based on tickets sold, not butts and seats. And you realized it was because every accounting firm, every law firm, everybody had bought the seats and they were just empty. Mm. You know, I know Portland has money, but at the same time, like I really hope it becomes more of a deal where it's actual butts and seats mm-hmm. and less corporate money, and they can just be like a good and like the timbers are mm-hmm. and i'm not a big timbers guy but you can't go to a timbers match and not be like this is pretty impressive yeah they, they do well i do like the location as far as for like the view um wise because it's right down by the water and then you can see the four or five bridge um like in the out in the outfield if you're looking from behind home plate you see that that, that bridge there so it's really neat that they they're able to have that and i kind of wish in some ways they could maybe just kind of tweak it a little bit 
to the north where home plate's kind of facing north just a little bit more so to get more of that water kind of like the San Francisco McCovey Cove kind of deal that would be that'd be great and I'd really enjoy having that there so um, but yeah you know Major League Baseball if you could build a team uh, around a given player who would it be right now that's tough And I'm drawing a blank. I just not a middle uh, a middle infielder. Not yeah, a middle infielder. No. It's got to be a marquee pitcher, right? I don't know. A young, a young number one starter. I don't know. You know, honestly, it's one of those things. I don't know where everybody puts the value. It's like the running back in the NFL, where everybody's kind of out. And then you think about like Kershaw on the way out, and yeah, I don't know. I've thrown out just Mookie Betts. I've know, thrown out Altuve. Altuve. Yeah. Altuve. Altuve would be awesome. Super oh, yeah. fun. Yeah. Yeah, and then fan yeah. accessible, fan friendly guy. Yeah, Aaron yeah. Judge going out there. You yeah. know, call, a, lot, a lot of different guys. Are we going to get an expansion team, or is it going to be? Yeah. is it going to be a a, a, a takeover? I mean, yeah, what do you think? Gonna be? Expansion? I think expansion. You're thinking expansion. I think a who lot. else gets one? Montreal, maybe. I think Montreal. So think here's Montreal my here's Montreal. my reasoning. Okay. I think Oakland has had been robbed too much of teams, and you have to try to keep that team down there some way or another. I think Tampa Bay, if they could somehow put it in Tampa instead of St. Pete, will do quite well. Hmm. And if they have to move that team, don't you just move that team to Montreal? Because the whole alignment of that division just makes perfect sense if you keep it on the eastern seaboard. And then I think if you can resolve those things, the two obvious expansion teams are Portland and Montreal. Mm-hmm. Canada has to get another team. Yeah, yeah it's big. But yeah. if you have to move Oakland, you know, yeah, Portland that would be the team to make. You know, to move up here because it, you know, stay in the AL, have the rivalry with the Marlins and get to stay. I mean, the Marlins, the Mariners. <laughs> Jeez, it's too late. <laughs> I think it would be a bummer just because there's so many Bay Area people here and like kind of the the split pole and the anger. I think it would just be so much cleaner if we could just get an expansion team. Yeah. And if, I you know, agree. especially if Major League, you know, we look what they're doing in hockey and how they really set up the expansion teams to have success mm-hmm. maybe if major league baseball does something on those lines so it's not just a seller dweller forever yeah let them compete yep. a little bit early on sure sure yeah well excellent well we really appreciate you uh you coming on um we appreciate you allowing us to to record in in your space here and uh you know i know dave and i are very happy about it and we've had a great time yep thank um, you thank you and uh any any last any last thoughts um you know maybe tell everybody where they can go find you guys online uh, any, yeah. any events coming up do you want to mm-hmm. give a shout out to so you can find us at uh, baseballism.com or our retail store at, at 2215 northwest quimby street and then we will have a party for opening day uh details to be announced but it will Sweet. be our i think our third party and so it's that first week of april and usually a uh, free beer and prizes and uh food and it's just a good time. You can actually meet local baseball fans from all over the place. It's super fun. We'll set up a table outside. Yeah, we could set up a table <laughs> if they let us back. Yeah. You know, we could well, probably maybe do a little yeah. live broadcast thing. Yeah. If we, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Slow your roll, there, buddy. Yeah. I, I'm just trying. I know. Um, but anyways, again, you know, um, thank you. Appreciate your time. Um, appreciate you sharing everything that you did with us. And thanks. We're going to close it out for this episode. And uh, as always, I'm Ben. And I'm Dave. I'm Kalen. <laughs> and uh, you keep it locked here. We'll be back again. And uh, Keep listening. Yeah. Uh, uh, that'll be it for this episode. So uh, peace out. Yeah.